show today we'll look ahead to the international court of justice ruling on israel in the hague this afternoon minister naledi pando is leading the south african delegation south africans living in israel and ukraine may not be able to vote in the upcoming national elections we'll unpack the allegations about stellenbosch university's wilkenhof residence in the strafkamers the anc nec due to discuss former president jacob zuma's membership this weekend and it's friday's sports and good things too all of that over the next hour the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Streaming on the Prime Media Plus app. DSTV Channel 856. 92.7. And 106 FM. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Hey, Joburg listeners, have you seen the white butterflies are in town? It's the annual migration. I saw them on my way into the studio today. So if you've seen them, send me a WhatsApp voice note. Let me know um, if you are seeing them around Joburg. For our Cape Town listeners, uh, once a year, there's the migration of the white butterflies and the whole of Joburg gets covered by white butterflies. So that's happening today. Some good news there. Um, what do you think the ANC-NEC is going to do about Jacob Zuma's membership? Do you think they're going to terminate? Do you think it's a good idea to terminate his membership? He's basically campaigning for Mkontowesizwe, the new political party. He still is a member of the ANC. Should they move against him? Do you think that would be short-sighted? Is this another seminal moment in the ruling party's history where it could make the wrong choice. I'd love to hear from you on that one. Well, let's start with uh, the the real focus this afternoon is going to be on the International Court of Justice in the Peace Palace in The Hague. Judge Joan Donoghue, the president of the court, will announce a decision made by 17 judges on South Africa's request to the court to issue provisional measures against Israel. South Africa has argued that Israel is committing genocide in Gaza. Israel has denied this. The International Relations and Cooperation Minister, Naledi Pando, is in uh, The Hague. She'll be in the court as the head of the delegation. There are a few things that could happen here, and we will unpack this with our reporter in a moment. Um, But effectively, the court does not have to decide yet whether Israel has been committing genocide. It has to just decide whether or not there will will be these interim measures. The actual decision on genocide could be determined later. The court only needs to be convinced now that there is a prima facie evidence of genocide in order to uh, hand down provisional measures. It could, it could give some of the measures. It could give all of the, me- the measures. We'll unpack that with Lindsay Dentlinger in a minute. But firstly, have a listen to what Minister Naleli Pando has been saying in The Hague ahead of this afternoon's judgment. Well, uh, of course, South Africa uh, is uh, hopeful. Uh, we've always uh, approached this case in a positive spirit. But our core purpose was really that it is vital to highlight the plight of the innocent in Palestine and to also uh, alert the international community to the great harm that uh, is being done uh, to the people of Palestine, to public institutions and to the general order uh, in that area and also draw attention uh, to the lack of justice and freedom over many, many decades, much of which has been ignored uh, by the world. So today, I think, uh, the Palestinian issue 
is front and center of the world. And that is a very important achievement uh, through this case brought by South Africa. And um, some will say the spotlight is also firmly on these institutions of global governance, including the ICJ, the ICC and others. Well, often um, I think the world community uh, does not appreciate the efforts uh, that were made uh, by leaders, particularly leaders of uh, the Allies. Uh, these are mainly uh, Western countries uh, that negotiated the settlement uh, of the end of the uh, Second World War following uh, the horrible experiences, murder, and killing of people of Jewish uh, nationality. The world put together institutions whose remit is to protect the innocent, to ensure a different means of settlement of dispute and conflict, to avoid the level of atrocity that occurred in that war and other uh, wars. What is important and what South Africa has done, I think is draw attention to the existence of these institutions. I think many people who are repeating the three letters ICJ were not aware of them until this case was brought by South Africa. But uh, most important, we are saying to these institutions, uh, we're now giving you an opportunity to actually do the task for which uh, you uh, were assigned, a task that I think uh, has sometimes not been upheld uh, sufficiently. And uh, we're now saying here's the opportunity. So to a great degree, um, succeed or fail, uh, the real uh, analysis and judgment is going to be on the court itself. Minister Naledi Pandor there speaking to Clayson Moniela, who's the spokesperson for the Department of International Relations. Many making the point that this decision will come on the eve of International Day of the Commemoration in memory of the victims of the Holocaust or International uh, Holocaust Memorial Day. Well, let's look at what the court needs to decide now and what the options could be. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, joining us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. I made the point that this does not need to be a decision on whether... Israel is committing genocide. This is only on interim measures. Explain that. Andy, good afternoon. Yes, I think that's a very important point uh, to make, that we are nowhere near the point of even arguing the case um, uh, related to the Genocide Convention and the alleged genocidal acts that South Africa believes Israel is committing. Of course, those points did come up in the arguments that they put before uh, the court two weeks ago. But yes, Mandy, in the interim, it's asking the court until such time that the court can hear these arguments related to matters of genocide. It's asking to order interim measures, nine of them, in fact, um, in the main, Mandy, uh, calling for a, or asking the court to order an immediate stop uh, to Israel's military operation in Gaza and then a host of other um, interim measures which in the main relate to getting better humanitarian aid to Palestinians, uh, ensuring that their lives are preserved and that they can return to their homes. So 
the expectation is probably that possibly not all those interim measures will be granted, but in some manner and some form, the court may accede to um, some of them and, and might word mm. them uh, slightly differently. However, the court first needs to make a decision on jurisdiction. And if it decides that it does not have jurisdiction, then that's where the matter ends. But most people seem to believe that the court will accept jurisdiction, right? Yeah, I think that's a very uh, legal point that's way above what I'm uh, able to contribute to. But yes, yeah. that was one of the, the arguments uh, made um, uh, before the court. But I think there is precedent in other matters, uh, more recently mm. the Myanmar matter, uh, which will then um, maybe stand in South Africa's favour that this court does indeed have the jurisdiction to handle this matter, um, Mandy. So, um, I, yeah, whether yeah. that becomes the, the, the major sticking point uh, remains to be seen. Um, and then also, Lindsay, um, does this, is, this, is this decision enforceable? Because um, Israel doesn't necessarily have to do what the court decides. Yes, Mandy, they have in the past uh, ignored an order of this court, and I think that is really the problematic um, point that, and the fallout that will come from whatever this court decides uh, in about two hours' time uh, is that while it can make such an order, it has no powers to enforce whatever order, whatever ruling it makes. And then essentially we would see that then being referred back to the United Nations, uh, whether that's the General Assembly uh, and then on to the Security Council. And we know in this particular matter, there have been at least three occasions where um, countries like South Africa have been unsuccessful in trying to push through what they're trying to get the court. Uh, um, to enforce uh, today. So that is really going to be going forward the problematic sticking point if there were to be a ruling in uh, not in Israel's favor and something it doesn't agree with and something it doesn't uh, want uh, to um, uh, uh, adhere to, that it would then fall back onto UN structures essentially to try to uh, enforce that court ruling. Lindsay, thank you so much. Uh, Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, having a look uh, at that uh, judgment or the ruling that is expected this afternoon, what the implications could be. um, As as Lindsay explained there, South Africa could take the matter to the UN Security Council. Keep in mind, of course, that America could have a veto vote there. Um, And uh, I think the crucial point is that the ICJ uh, firstly has to decide on jurisdiction and then secondly uh, does not have to make a decision now on whether or not uh, there is genocide, but there could be interim measures, there could be partial interim measures, or all of the interim measures, or it could decide uh, entirely against South Africa. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. South Africans uh, living in Israel and Ukraine may not be able to vote in the upcoming national general elections. So um, it's understood that uh, the South Africans who are in these countries will be affected by the fact that our missions in countries, um, it's Sudan as well, so it's Israel, Ukraine and Sudan, uh, will not be able to vote because these missions have been closed due to security co- uh, concerns. Um, there's also a push by the Democratic Alliance for 
more um, voting stations to be opened around the world for expats. They've raised concerns saying that, for example, in Perth or Sydney, there are no voting stations, um, but only in, in Canberra. So let's have a look at this now with the IEC CEO, Sai Mamabola. Sai, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, let's start with the, the issue of uh, Sudan, Israel and Ukraine. What happens to people who would ordinarily be voting at those voting stations? Well, um, we we invite them to register online because there's an online facility which uh, they can use to uh, uh, to register. Obviously, our preference would have been to extend uh, the physical um, uh, registration at the mission as well, but due to circumstances that are uh, way outside of the control of the Electoral Commission, we are unable to. Um, it is our hope further that um, when when the election is proclaimed, um, hopefully the security situation may have abated, enabling uh, those facilities to, re- to reopen uh, for purposes of voting. Otherwise, um, the possibility always exists for them to go to a neighboring country. I'm alive to the fact that that could be a, a, a costly exercise, but um, it's a matter that is really outside of the um, purview of the commission. Mm. So, so the idea is register anyway, because by the time the elections come around, things may have changed. Certainly, register anyway, because uh, there may have uh, been an improvement in the security situation by the time election come. And then on the issue of more voting stations, the Democratic Alliance says that it wants uh, expats to be able to vote in more voting stations. Um, is this something that, that is the IEC is responsible for? Or uh, according to the law, the voting stations have to be at missions, right? So then it's a, a matter for the Department of International Relations. Well, it's um, it's really a matter for, for Parliament. It requires a, a, a legislative amendment because the law as it currently stands accords no one the discretion to extend those facilities beyond the diplomatic missions. So uh, it's an intervention of a legislative nature that is required. Why can't we vote online, electronically? Is that something that the IEC is considering um, for, for expats, people outside the country, to be able to vote electronically? The IC is considering the uh, issue of uh, electro- electronic voting as a policy uh, matter, which means um, we've done the research that um, looks at what other jurisdictions have done, what the cross-national experiences are, and so on. Uh, we do want to start a national conversation about what electronic voting is, because um, it means different things to different people. So it's important that uh, we frame the discussion and ensure that at least we, you, we, uh, we employ the terminology uh, in the same way. And hopefully, um, after this election, we should be able to reach some consensus on what type or what model of electronic voting the country should be considering. 
Saima Mabolo, CEO of the IEC, thank you very much for your time explaining the situation there with people who are overseas and whether they will be able to vote or not. And look, I think this is a conversation that we need to start having. Um, there are other countries in the world where electronic voting does happen. I know in the States there are all sorts of concerns around the integrity of the electronic voting. Is there a trust deficit? Uh, will people be willing to vote electronically in South Africa? As Simon Mbola said, it means different things to different people. So would you have trust in an electronic system if you had to vote that way? Or do you think that, that the only way to do it is with a pencil and a piece of paper, which is now going to be a book, not a ballot paper, it's going to be a book, um, and uh, an X that marks the spot? And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 12.25 on the Midday Report. In the court, in the Senzo Miura trial, the court is hearing audio recordings of proceedings that happened at the Boxburg Magistrates Court. And this is all to do about whether or not one of the accused was legally represented by a specific advocate. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter, joining us now. Khomotso, explain to us what the issue is here. Good afternoon, Mandy. So, in the Boxford Magistrates Court in 2020, when we appeared um, with the accused, what happened was uh, the accused, uh, one of the accused was legally represented, and that's Mungani Ndansi. He had a man by the name of uh, Dominic Mjiako, who was there as his lawyer. He was the only one that was legally represented on the day. And what happened after that is that um, uh, the matter then came to the High Court. It was referred to the High Court, initially in Palmridge and then brought here to Pretoria. And Mujiago was no longer the lawyer on record for Wongalin Dance. The lawyer on record at the time was advocate, uh, now disbarred advocate, uh, Malisa Latepo and T.T. Tobani. But now, uh, uh, the uh, is disputing that Mujiago ever represented him in court. And he's disputing whether Mujiago ever worked with him essentially and received any instructions from him. And this is important, maybe because Mujiago is the lawyer who was present with Ndanzi on the day when he signed the conviction statement before the magistrate in June of 2020. But Ndanzi is now saying he's disassociating from Mujiago, and he's been saying this from last year during these proceedings, that he did not give Mujiago any instructions, and Mujiago was not acting on his behalf at all. And his lawyers are trying to prove that. And in order to prove that, they've told the court that there is a slip from one of the proceedings. They initially said it was the first proceeding, um, or, or the first appearance on the 27th of October. They're saying there's a clip on the 27th of October mm. when Dancy could be heard saying he doesn't want Diago, he doesn't want this man to be here as his lawyer. But we've now listened to recordings from the 27th where we can hear Diago on record representing Dancy. I can also say that was there on the 27th of October 2020. Diago did represent Dancy, and I don't remember that point where Dancy said he doesn't want him, Diago. Right. Um, so we've heard that recording from the 27th of October, nothing there. We're now listening to the recording from the 27th of November, and so far, Diago is still the attorney on record for Bongani Dancy. We will be listening to a recording from the 5th of March as well, and the, the defense seems to believe that that was the day when Dancy mm. disassociated from Mujiaco, pointing out that this is not my lawyer. 
Sure, Khamotso, thank you very much uh, for uh, bringing us uh, up to speed on all of that. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter. So lots of uh, audio and video being played in the Senzo Miyua trial. That's the one matter we're looking at. The other is a court appearance today in the Germiston Magistrates Court by Leanne Mateis, who's a senior EFF leader who is accused of assaulting a fellow party member. Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter, is there. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. Tell us about the court appearance today of Leanne Mateis. Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, it was a very brief... Um... Tabisa, you must be in Germiston because that was a great big plane that flew overhead. My apologies. Yeah, I'm actually at the, I'm actually at in Boxburg. Uh, we, we're nearby the, um, the, the airport. <laughs> there was some airport. So um, uh, we, we, we are a fighter. I think a fighter flew by. We are with the president, so maybe they're just looking <laughs> over the president. <laughs> That's probably um, what they're doing, yes. But that, uh, <laughs> nothing like live radio, hey, to catch you out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, buddy, it was um, a very quick um, court appearance. So now the, the person that uh, Leon Mateis is accused of um, assaulting is Bususiwe Siyabe. Um, she is an EFF member, but you also remember her from the um, Seas Must Fall in, uh, in 2016. She was one of those vet leaders who led um, that movement. So um, what is still missing from the state, Mandy, is the medical records because apparently um, Siyabe allegedly suffered some... Um, some uh, some injuries when she was assaulted by Lian Mateis. So now the, the the magistrate has granted two two postponements to the state. However, she said this is the final one, and that if you do not have you know, and told the state that if they don't have the the case in order in the next appearance, then obviously there is the chance that this matter might get thrown out of court. So the matter has been postponed to the 16th of February, Monday. Tabiso, thank you so much. So Tabiso was at court this morning and he was covering that case. And of course, now um, he is with the ANC. NEC, if you're confused about what just happened, why there was a great big uh, fighter plane overhead. And that's because the NEC meeting is meeting in Boxburg today. And the president, President Ramaphosa, is there. Um, in fact, Tabiso's um, tweeted a video of the NEC, um, many of them are wearing uh, kafirs and they are waiting for the ICJ judgment this afternoon. So they're all going to be following the decision of the International Court of Justice decision in South Africa's genocide case against Israel this afternoon. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. I think it's quite interesting that uh, South Africa is calling its national institutions to do what they're supposed to do particularly when you have South African institutions who are nowhere near doing what they're supposed to do. Um, Case in point is the Master's Office, the Master of the High Court, that is letting down South African citizens daily with regard to the absolute chaos, corruption that is happening there. So it's always a case of people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, and in this instance, I think it's it's the same would apply, Chris. Um, Yeah, I think we can trust... um Airbnb and banks and any number of organizations which use uh, identity verification. I don't see why it can't work for voting. Thanks. Hey, there's 702 in Mandy. Um, just on the N1 highway before Malibongwe Drive, and I managed to spot a couple of the white butterflies doing their migration. So, yeah, if you're driving in the slow lane, just look out for them, and yeah, it's quite a nice sight. Thanks. Bye. 
Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I saw the white butterflies coming into the studio in Sandton today, the annual migrations, and it always just makes me really happy to see the white butterflies in Joburg. For our Cape Town listeners, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, uh, annually there is a migration of white butterflies that comes through Joburg, um, so we get to see them, and it always just it's a bit uplifting. So let us know where wherever you are seeing uh, white butterflies. Send us a WhatsApp voice note. Uh, lots of response to the question around electronic voting. Lionel on the WhatsApp line says electronic voting would be an epic failure so easy to manipulate votes via hacking or other unethical interference stick to paper and then Sudira says voting online would be great saving time improves efficiency condition that you have robust security biometric face recognition and registration um, and that was because uh, South Africans abroad at some missions uh, are not able to vote because the missions are closed for security reasons also uh, the DA concerned that there aren't enough voting stations overseas so would you want electronic voting is there a trust deficit is there sufficient um data is this uh, uh, sufficient um uh understanding of of how uh, technology works so would would this work is the question i've been asking and then on the issue of the icj that argument chris um is one that many people have leveled at the south african government uh, who are critical of this campaign at the icj saying well should we not be fixing our problems domestically and making sure our own institutions work the counter argument from international relations and the ministry of justice has been that uh, this is an important pursuit and that's why you you, you can't use that counter argument but i appreciate Appreciate your point. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Very interesting report in News 24 today. If you've read it, um, sure, it really is fascinating. So, News 24 has obtained pictures showing what Stellenbosch University has found in their oldest men's residence in a secret search operation last week. Um, And among the items are crude drawings depicting what appears to be male sexual assault and a logbook detailing the activities. And this is all at the Wilkenhof Wilgenhof uh, residence and uh, there's a disciplinary committee there called the Nachlichter. So a lot of this has come out in this report. Students telling News 24 that the Strafkarma or punishment room at the residence contained horrifying pictures of alleged abuse of students. So there's crude drawings depicting what appears to be male sexual assault. Um, there are also black hoods. And these uh, were all discovered in these two rooms at Wilkenhof. So there is now an investigation that is taking place. Stellenbosch University saying that it has noted the very serious nature of the articles and documentation found in the two rooms. We were hoping to speak to the journalist who has written the story. We're just struggling to get a hold of uh, that journalist at the moment. The Wilkenhof Alumni Association has said that the items found by the university form part of the resident's history and could be misunderstood if not explained in correct historical context. We did ask the university to come on to explain this to us, um, but the spokesperson, Martin Fulun, has sent a WhatsApp voice note. Have a listen. Yes. The items found during a recent audit at the residence is disturbing, to say the least. The items have been removed and stored in safekeeping, and these two rooms have been repainted and will be used for their original purpose as accommodation. It's important to mention that human dignity is non-negotiable for the university. It must be respected and upheld. A position of zero tolerance is maintained towards any act which infringes human dignity 
and the university will continue unabated to eradicate unacceptable practices from our campuses and residences. At the same time, the university remains committed to the well-being and safety of all students and staff on our various campuses. The university is putting in place a panel consisting of the Deputy Registrar Governance, Ethics and Compliance, an experienced independent advocate from the Cape Bar, and a former experienced university executive in higher education, to review the items and to advise the university on the appropriate next steps. The panel will be asked to submit the report by the end of February, after which the university is committed to acting upon receipt of that report. For now, the panel must be allowed to do its work and in the process help us to shape the welcoming and inclusive centre of excellence that we are all striving for. That is the Stellenbosch University spokesperson, Martin Fulion, who sent us a WhatsApp voice. And personally, not a big fan of the voice note, would have preferred uh, to speak to him, but unfortunately he can't for uh, whatever uh, reason that is. Um, and I think that this is, is really going to, to raise a lot of questions about what was happening at, at Wilkenhof, what has clearly been institutionalized and has been happening for a long time, for its, its very long history. Um, and keep in mind the fact that according to the News 24 report, Wilkenhof was once home to Dottie Craven and Christo Visser and the uh, Constitutional Court Justice, uh, former Constitutional Court Justice Edwin Cameron, uh, Bayes Nortier, Marcus Joster. Um, so I expect uh, this one to definitely gather some momentum. 702. 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. The Judicial Conduct Tribunal into Judge Tinsualo Makubele's contact. Makubele's con- uh, conduct is continuing today. Judge Makubele is accused of sitting as a judge and as the chair of the Interim Board of Prasa at the same time. We did hear from Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, about how Judge Makubele has taken the stand and is now giving evidence in that tribunal. Bernadette, good afternoon to you. Give us an update on what's happening there. Well, um, Judge Makubela is continuing her evidence today that she started tomorrow. And um, what we have heard from her today so far is that she's rejected any sort of suggestion that she intentionally sought out a position on the Prasa Interim Board. She says that she was speaking to a neighbour and a neighbour mentioned that the Minister of Transport was looking to constitute interim boards for various entities and that she says she was actually quite hesitant in the beginning because she had already Um, committed to putting her name in the ring for a judgeship and she had said no I don't know if I'm able to do that and then she had said the only way I would be able to do it is if it was just for a couple of months because according to her she had actually before even going for an interview for a judgeship made this arrangement with Judge President Dunstan Mlambo that she would only start if she were successful in April the following year Um, she says this was because she was sitting on a water tribunal And she says that this arrangement was made beforehand. So she says when she did hear that she had been appointed to to chair the interim board, it was the first thing she had heard since she had given her neighbor her CV. She said no one ever reached out to her. Um, She heard from people who saw on TV that she had been appointed to the board. And and that's that's how it went. Um, We've also heard that she says, like I say, uh, long before she even interviewed for the position of judgeship, um, she she spoke about it with Judge President Dunstan Mlambo and she, she mentioned this issue that she was apparently on the water tribunal and she would need some time to wrap up her duties there. And she says in 
in December, when she heard that she was supposed to now be starting in January, she was confused and she went back to the JP and she asked him about their previous conversations. And according to her, he said, no, he had received all these requests for deferment of appointments and he had just become fed up, to use her right. words. And so he wasn't able. Hmm, interesting. Bernadette, thank you so much. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, with an update there on Judge Makubele's Judicial Conduct Tribunal. Did she say she got the job after her neighbour told her that there was a, a vacancy? I love this country. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. With Tolagele Mganga. Tolagele. So Clement was trolling me earlier on 702 because for two weeks I've been doing the show while watching tennis mm-hmm. at the same time. I'm sorry. But, jeez, the tennis has been good. It has been really, really good. It's a, a kind of indication of possibly what's to come this year. Novak Djokovic, for as dominant as he's been, the younger guys are showing that they're willing to go all the way with him. I think the surprise would be the fact that Carlos Alcaraz is not amongst the last four. But with the likes of Yannick Sinner, Daniel Medvedev and Alexander Zverev, who've always been there or thereabouts, they are showing that they're willing to kind of be a new generation of the sport and I know you don't like both men that are currently involved in that semi-final so you I don't actually I, I mind Medvedev oh really yeah, so, he's is, re- is so you've got to watch the Point Break um, episode <laughs> on Zverev because um, there's huge controversy around it if you yeah, haven't watched it because they've portrayed Zverev as this um holier than our character and Medvedev is this cartoon villain. But we know we in the know court cases true, they're involved exactly. in, we know yeah. the other size of both players. But, but at the I moment, think gonna, gonna take it. I think everybody would want that. And I think once you beat the defending champion, you should have enough confidence to go all the way to the final and win it. And of course, we know that tomorrow is the women's final. Anya Sabalenka up against Zhuang. Sabalenka should technically win it. She seems like the player that is kind of there to challenge Iga Swiatek for the titles. Yeah, I think that uh, Sabalenka's definitely, she's been so dominant. Yes. Um, let's speak about AFCON. Yes. Uh, South Africa. <laughs> we, are, we made it we out of the group stages. We're doing stages. so well. We're doing so well. Well done. You predicted we'd get out of the group stages, yes. right? And then we Revisionist just... Revisionist history. And then we just like decided to draw Morocco. But that game is on Tuesday. We don't have to stress ourselves anymore for the next three days. But of course, you know that the last 16 action begins tomorrow. Our neighbours, Namibia, up against Angola. It's the first time Namibia have ever gotten to this stage of the competition. Then other games that we can look forward to this weekend include Nigeria against Cameroon, Equatorial Guinea against Guinea, and then Egypt against DR Congo. Of course, we know that Egypt won't have Mohamed Salah, who's gone back to Liverpool. Liverpool insists that no, they're just going to help him start his rehab in the hopes that Egypt reached the final. Yeah, so you're going to the final. No, 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 he play. can go back. He can go back again. <laughs> if they get to the final, uh, it's been a whole debate about if you're really the captain, wouldn't you want to be there to motivate the players? Even if you can't play, your influence within the camp would be something that's very helpful. But the club insists that they'd rather have him. F- attempt to be fit to play mm. but to be fair I don't see Egypt getting to the, the question final. also is what does Salah want I think you, you stick with the people that pay most of your bills and let's be honest it's Liverpool mm. he's comfortable there the whole system is set up for him to benefit and he can be in his bubble without the pressure of what 10 million people wondering every day what you're up to um, who, who's your favourite for AFCON who's looking good Ooh, dare I say Senegal They've won all their games. They haven't been loud about anything. And I think they will be able to defend it at the moment. 
for South Africa, we always try to be supportive, but we're playing Morocco. Let's be honest about that one. So I think Senegal... Any World Cup semi-finalists. Just, just that little matter, of course. But I think Senegal will be favourites for that. And then for other people that are looking for other kinds of football to look forward to this weekend, we've got the FA Cup. I know it's not normally the best of weekends when the FA Cup is on, but this weekend we do have Tottenham and Manchester City to look forward to. They take each other on uh, this, this Friday. And then other clashes, we'll see Fulham up against Newcastle. Then Manchester United up against Newport County. Okay, interesting. Um, and then SA20? Yes. We, we're kind of getting to the business end of the group stages. For the Jobic team known as the Jobic Super Kings, it's not sure. been We've a won good... one. We've won one. Out of six matches. Yeah. And we won the whole tournament last year. No, we got to the semifinals. We didn't oh, win we it. To the yes, because I remember uh, the Wanderers was hosting one of the semifinals. It was sold out. It was Chaka Blocker. final. You think I remember this? Yeah, it's not been a great campaign for them, but so far the Paul Royals, they've be, they've won five of their six matches. They joined in at the top of the log by the Durban Super Giants, but the games that we can look forward to over the next few days include Paul Royals up against um, uh, pa- some of the games we can look forward to is Paul Royals against the Durban Super Giants today. Then tomorrow it's a double header. Uh, Sunrises Eastern Cape against MI Cape Town, then Pretoria Capitals up against the Jobic Super Kings. Anything else I'm missing? No, just okay. the tennis. Look forward to it. AFCON will wait for Tuesday. And let's just sit on the couch and be potatoes this weekend. Oh, that sounds amazing. Tola Kele. That's such inspiration from Tola Kele. Thank you. Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. So every now and again... Brent decides to come into studio. And he hadn't planned to come into studio, but he's just walked in and surprised me. Um, well, everybody else knew about it, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy Friday. I decided to pop into studio to surprise you. and uh, You brought me a gift. I brought you, you brought a, me gift. a gift. I don't, I don't, we don't need to talk about it. Well, let's gift. just quickly tell people that Brent has um, brought him... Brought a book. He doesn't want me to tell you no, for some reason. I, it's I called just, Only Good Things. And it celebrates 100 feel-good South African stories of 2023. And it's so cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, we decided at the end of last year um, to take some of the stories. As you know, there's so much good news in our country. Sometimes I can feel like there's not. Sometimes I can feel like it's really tough and the news is tough. And what we're seeing in the newspapers and here on the radio, it's, it can be disheartening. Um, but the reality is that there are good things happening all around us. And last year, we managed to write almost 4,000 good news stories. And towards the end of last year, the team and I were like, why don't we, why don't we put this in another something so that South Africans can celebrate all this good news? And, uh, and yeah, we came up with this coffee table book. We took a hundred of our, what we felt was our top good news stories. Mm. And... Um, put it into this beautiful compilation, which people are loving, by the way. It's just a great really reminder cool. that there needs to be balance and light and shade. And we always say this, man. Yes. So that's, that's what it's about. We need balance. You need to know what's going on with the world. You need to know that hard news that's happening all around us because that gives us the skills in order to fix the problems that we have. But at the same time, we need to fill our minds with a little bit of the happy stuff, the sunshine and the rainbows because that gives us the balance. And uh, I like to say this. Nelson Mandela said, he hopes that all our choices will be made with our hopes and not our fears. And if we live in a space where we're constantly got this bad news aura around us, a lot of our choices that we make are with our fears. And we need a bit of hope in there as well. We need an injection of the hope. So you spoke about uh, sunshine and rainbows. There are white butterflies out today all over Joburg. So I've been asking people about whether they've seen the white butterflies. And you're so excited. I wish you could see Brent right now. He's about to explode <laughs> yes. with happiness. So this is one of my favorite, favorite 
times of the year um, when when we get to see these butterflies on the migration. And it just, it's so beautiful. I was sitting in traffic. I'd, I'd gone to gym this morning. I was sitting in traffic and I, I was sort of thinking about what was going on this today and what I'm doing this weekend. And, and all of a sudden, I noticed the butterflies. They must have been around us for the last couple of days. I don't know. I haven't seen any. But they usually of, come quite quickly, though. It was all around my car and all around me. And as I was driving, it was just such a beautiful moment. And it's a reminder that sometimes the smallest things are the biggest things. It, it takes my breath away every single year to see those silly little butterflies that make me so happy. And I hope, uh, I hope some Joe Burgers are seeing them as well. Our Cape Town listeners must be like... We have butterflies all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that lucky. We're not that lucky. <laughs> okay, you do have some good news stories uh, for us. So for, for our Cape Town listeners, Cape Town has soared to number two in Time Out's 50 Best Cities of 2024. Yeah, it's a great list. It comes out every year. I think last year Cape Town was on the number one uh, side there. We've been knocked off by New York, but we're in the number two spot. And, and the reason why this is good news to celebrate is because it's a global list. So it's curated through many people, thousands of people that have voted, but many other people are going to see this news. And what does that mean? It's great for tourism. Uh, more tourists coming into our country, hopefully not just stopping in Cape Town because there's so many other beautiful parts of South Africa. But once they're here, we can convince them of that. And articles like this would bring them into mm. our country. An Uber driver saved a woman's life with a hug. Yes. So this story, um, when I was, when I was, reading it to to report on it to the listeners uh, this afternoon, I actually started crying because it was so beautiful. So Natasha, who, who lives in the Eastern Cape, um, four years ago, she'd called an Uber and she was in the worst state of her life that she's ever been. Completely depressed, um, just really not in a good way. And she'd called the Uber for whatever reason to get to where she was going to. And she sat in the back of the Uber and the Uber driver said to her, um, how are you? Just a simple, how are you? Starting a conversation. And she just lost it. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And she started crying and just absolutely sobbing hysterically. Um, Natasha has revealed this information this, this last couple of days where she posted about this on social media. She's finally ready to talk about it. But that day she was going to take her own life. She was going to commit suicide. And this Uber driver had showed her moments of kindness. He'd seen that how upset she was. He said to her, ma'am, can I please pull over the car? Uh, something in her gut said, like, I can trust this Uber driver. He did. He, he asked her to get out the car and he said, may I hug you? May I just hug you? And she allowed it and she, she hugged him and she just sobbed and sobbed. And she says it, it was that hug that reminded her in the kindness of human beings and stopped her from taking her own life. So she put up this post on social media because she's finally ready to tell her story. And, um, and that story reached the Uber driver. And the Uber driver put up a TikTok. He's this, this big guy, like a big guy. He put up a TikTok video going, I'm a big man and I'm crying. I've been crying all day. For four years, whenever I drive past that spot, I'm getting a little choked <laughs> up. Whenever I drive past that spot in Warmer, I've wondered, is she okay? And that's a beautiful story that reminds us that kindness exists. I'm getting a lump in my throat. Oh. <laughs> You're going to make everybody cry in their car on a Friday. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs>
<laughs> what a beautiful story, Brent. Thank you so much. You see, there there is so much kindness out there, and it's so important to tell the good news story. So, thank you so much. Thank for, you. For, I've, I've, I'm back to my. I'm, I have I'm a message again. from uh, from a listener. Hi, Mandy. Please greet that great guy, Brent Lindeku. Congratulations on the new book. So, oh, and that's from Dr. Philemon Mahuma in Midstream. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I've pulled myself towards myself. I'm back. Um, I love bringing you good news. I love having a little feature on 702 where I can do that every single Friday. I love Mans and the entire team and the great work that you do. And um, like I always say, every single Friday, wishing all the listeners only good things. Brent Lindeku, the great, great, great good things guy. Thank you so much for, for surprising us in studio, for bringing me a very cool book and for making everybody cry and for reminding us about how it's the small things. And I hope for the Joburg listeners, you're enjoying the white butterflies and the Cape Town listeners that you are vicariously enjoying the white butterflies by seeing all of the butterflies that you get to see on a daily basis. The Midday Report. Okay, so don't forget, at 2.30 this afternoon, the ICJ will be handing down a ruling in South Africa's case against Israel. So you can watch that. I have tweeted um, a link that you can go and watch it, and there will be updates on EWN as well. Enjoy your weekend.